Welcome to Red Rocks. It's so good to see you guys. Um, if you're new here, I'm just going to tell you before you figure it out, you didn't find the perfect church. In fact, we proudly say that we are just imperfect people doing our best to pursue a perfect God. And you have a home here, and we are so glad that you're here. And you walked in on week two um, of an entire decade, really, but of, uh, specifically our new series that we are calling 167. And here's the idea behind that series. You have 168 hours in your week. And usually you spend one of those hours in church. This is a series about utilizing this one hour in church to help you follow Jesus in your 167 out there. Because make no mistake, we're not, we're not in the business of building churchgoers. Our mission and our mindset is to equip and empower Jesus followers to follow Jesus in every part and in every hour of your life out there in the, the 167. Here's the thesis that we started with last week, and I'll remind you of it today. When you know who God is, you'll know who you are. And when you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. When you know who God is. So there's a verse, one of our key verses in this series comes from Revelation 2, and it talks about our first love and how our first love is God before anything else. And there's this church in the New Testament, the church in Ephesus. And on paper, this church is crushing it. Like you're reading the description or you're going onto the website, you're like, I'm joining this church. Killer kids rock ministry, a thriving youth ministry, huge social media platform, right? Like great messages, good worship, good life groups, strong community, like do good things for the city you're like I'm going to this church they were crushing it on paper but God Jesus in Revelation 2 actually calls this church out and says I have one thing against you however you have forgotten your first love you've traded you've traded me for ministry you've traded knowing God for knowing things about God and how quickly we can do that. To trade knowing our maker. Your maker made no mistakes when he made you. And how quickly we trade knowing him, the creator of everything, for just knowing a few facts and being able to quote a few verses. And all of that is good, but that's not the end. That's the means. The end is knowing him more. Because when you know God, you will know who you are. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. And I hope you know, especially going into a new decade, Jesus did not save you so that you could stay the same. It's his will that all of us change for the better. And this decade, if you want to see a lasting, real change in your life, if you want to get closer to God and experience more of this abundant Zoe life that is rightfully yours through Jesus, if you want to see your New Year's resolutions last beyond Valentine's Day, then before you ask what to do, you need to know who you are. Why? Because when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You have a who and you have a do. Your who and your do are in a divine dance with each other. The who leads, and that's so key, and the do follows. Last week we talked about the who and we asked the question, hey, who do you want to be? January 12, 2030, because it's coming. It'll be here before we know it. So who do you want to be? The man you want to be? The woman of God that you want to be? Because if you can answer that question about then and then realize that God sees you that way now, you'll know what to do. 
you will act accordingly because who you are makes your decisions and in turn our decisions make who we are which is why you in 2030 will be the sum of every small decision you make between now and then sometimes we like romanticize the future like it's this big mystery who will i be a year from now who will i be 10 years from now it's actually not that mysterious when you get there it will make sense you will be the sum total of every decision you make between now and then because we become what we repeatedly do. And you in 2030 will not be formed really by the one hour that you spend in church every week. It'll be formed by the decisions that you make in your 167. Galatians chapter 6, 7 through 9 says this, A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, and from the Spirit will reap eternal life, abundant life, zoe life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now, you don't even have to believe in God to get something from this right here. Your due the due part of who you are. And by that I mean every small decision, every small moment, every small seed that you sow this decade will either make you or break you. And trust me, 10 years is enough time to accomplish either of those things with flying colors. 10 years from, like from right now, future you is not that big of a mystery. You on January 12th, 2030, you, you, you won't get there, and, and maybe you'll ask the question, how did I get here? But I'm going to tell you, it's going to make perfect sense. You will get to where you are going one step at a time. You will reap what you sow. This is an invisible system that the creator of the universe has wired into the universe that is as real as gravity. And we have a God who wants us to thrive in it. And so let's pray. God, we love you so much. Jesus, I thank you you want us to thrive in our lifetime. And I thank you that you show us how. I pray today that you'd open our eyes to it. We love you so much. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, you guys. And this is part two of a sermon called The Who Do Dance. The Who Do Dance. So let's do this. Who knows what the seven wonders of the world are? Let me see what I'm dealing with right now in this audience, okay, in our church. How smart are we? The seven wonders of the world, because we throw that phrase out there all the time. However, I realized this week, I don't know what any of them are. Turns out there's the seven ancient wonders of the world. Maybe this is why you were confused. This got me, okay? And then there's, now there's the seven new wonders of the world. And there's the seven natural wonders of the world, okay? So let's go, let's go the seven natural wonders of the world, made by the big man upstairs himself. Anybody know? Just shout them out if you think you know the seven natural wonders of the world. The Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon National Park. I, I know fun facts about all seven now, okay? Just watch this, okay? Grand Canyon National Park, bigger than the state of Rhode Island, Bigger than Rhode Island. And although there are rattlesnakes, Gila monster lizards, and bighorn sheep, the squirrels bite more tourists than any other animal at the Grand Canyon. So watch out for those squirrels. What's another one? Anybody? The Great Barrier Reef. 
In Australia, there we go, 70 million football fields in size. The largest living thing on planet Earth. You can see that from space. Also, great snorkeling. I don't know that from experience, but I read that. What's another one? Anybody? Niagara Falls? Close. Victoria Falls. Victoria Falls on the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. 150 million cubic feet of water pour over that thing every single minute. Also, another fun fact, me and Ethan bungee jumped off of that thing. Oh, yeah. Who knows? Anybody else? Another one? Mount Everest. There we go. Largest mountain in the world, 29,035 feet high and growing by a quarter of an inch every year, which means right now will be the easiest time to hike that thing if you want to. Just be warned, it's about a two-month journey and costs $60,000. Anybody hiked Mount Everest? This is a long shot, but I, I will ask at every service because I want to talk to you. Nobody? Okay. Anybody else? The what? The Bay in Rio, the harbor at the Rio de Janeiro, the deepest harbor, the deepest natural harbor in the world. So right here, I don't know, like this is beautiful, but you've got, you've got high mountains, you've got white sandy beaches, and you've got the ocean within 200 yards of each other, which begs the question, why are any of us here right now? You could be there. You're here. Way to go. The next one, Paracutan. I think that's how you describe it. This is a volcano in a cornfield in Mexico. I realized doing a Google image search, this is the most unphotogenic volcano that exists. However, it still does look cool. Um, but if you're afraid of volcanoes like I am, because maybe you watched Dante's Peak at a young age, okay? It has been dormant since 1952, so sleep soundly tonight. And then finally, number seven, it's in the sky, northern lights. I was going to say it's up north, it's light in the sky, the northern lights. It's caused by, I want to see these more than, I want to see this more than any of the others. Magnetic fields and energized electrons, you've got to be north enough or south enough. There's also the southern lights, but they don't get talked about as much because people don't get down there as much. But polar bears, I just found out are on the South Pole, so they love, they enjoy these. I think they are. See, you guys wouldn't know anyways. Like, I could, I could say that confidently, and you're like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, polar bears on the South Pole, the Southern Lights, for sure. There's the seven natural wonders of the world. Now you know. Work that into a conversation this week. You can sound smart this week. But did you know Albert Einstein was quoted saying, there is an eighth secret national wonder of the world. And no, it's not Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> like we're doing that. Although, to be fair to Chris, Einstein never saw Thor. The eighth secret natural wonder of the world is something called compound interest. Compound interest. Here's what Einstein said about compound interest. Compound interest is the most powerful force in the universe. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. This is a financial planner's dream quote. Compound interest. So here's a domino. Now I want you to imagine with me really quick if we had a series of dominoes that increased in size by a factor of 1.5, just 1.5. 
The 12th domino in that series would be the size of me. The 20th domino in that series would be the size of this entire wall. The 37th domino in that series would be the height and weight of the Empire State Building. And this little domino, through the process of compound interest, the most powerful force in the universe, the eighth wonder of the world, could knock the whole thing down. Why does this matter? It matters because of what C.S. Lewis said. Good and evil both increase at compound interest. This is why little decisions you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. Look at this domino. I want you to think little decision. Keep looking at it. I want you to think infinite importance. Infinite importance. The eighth wonder of the world. Compound interest. God designed it. Einstein understood it, and now you do too. This is wired into creation, going all the way back to the very beginning with Abraham. You can go read about this later in Genesis chapter 15. God takes Abraham outside of his tent and says, Abraham, look up at the stars. So God and Abraham are having a stargazing session, just the two of them, right? Just to paint this in your imagination, if you've seen The Lion King, picture Timon and Pumbaa looking up at the stars. Pumbaa goes, Timon, you ever wonder what those sparkling dots are up there? Pumbaa, I don't wonder. I know. Oh, what are they? They're fireflies. Fireflies that just got stuck up there in that big bluish black thing. Oh, I always thought they were balls of gas burning billions of miles away. Pumbaa, with you, everything's gas. Like, you remember, like, if you can get that scene into your head, you're halfway there. This is God and Abraham doing some stargazing, and God says, Abraham, look, like, he might as well have said, look up at the fireflies stuck up there in that big bluish black thing, because Abraham also had no idea they were balls of gas burning billions of miles away. And God says, try to count them, buddy. Just try and count them. The point is that you can't. And then he tells Abraham, from you and Sarah, because of exponential growth because of compound interest, one day your people, your nation will be more numerous than the stars in the sky. The eighth wonder of the world, wired into creation, little decisions, infinite importance. Life is simply a succession of these. Little decisions, small little moments, little seeds, that we sow. We sow a good little decision here and there. We sow a bad little decision here and there. And because of what we sow, and all of us can relate to this, we either reap a certain amount of heaven on earth, or, and I just don't know how else to say it, hell on earth, depending on what we sow. I am describing the reap what you sow system that God has set into place that is more real than gravity, and I'm saying both good seeds and bad ones follow the same system. And this is why 10 years is more than enough time to make your life or to ruin your life. Truly, I wish that wasn't true, but this is how the designed universe works, to make your life or to ruin your life. Way more than enough time. And I I hear Christians say stuff like this, you can't ruin God's plan for your life. And actually, I believe that's true. 
I know that's true. You can't ruin God's plan for your life. You're not good enough at messing up. You're not that powerful to do that, and thank God that you're not. You can't ruin God's plan. He is writing the most epic story that the universe shall ever know, unbreakable love, good conquering evil, reconciling all things to himself on earth as it is in heaven, and you can't mess that up both on a corporate scale or on an individual scale. The gifts that God has given you, the calling that God has placed on your life, those things are irrevocable. The Bible says he doesn't take those back just because you make some bad decisions or lose your way. Yes, you can't ruin God's plan for your life. But you can miss it. In fact, I feel like that's a common Christian story. I see people miss God's plan for their life all the time for one of two reasons. Number one, either because they underestimate the power of small bad decisions. The power that these have to over time compound. Or... Or we see Mount Everest, and that's what we dream of. We see the Empire State Building, get me there. And God says, well, you got to start here, but ain't nobody got time for the process. Ain't nobody got, like, we want to, like, God, I want to get in shape, like, this week, right, starting today. I want to get out of debt by next month. Come on. And we're like, how many of these does it take? And we want to knock that down with something that small. And we miss the process, and we miss the most powerful force in the universe to do amazing things if we simply just embrace steady consistency in the right direction. I'll show you what I mean. Deuteronomy says this, Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Because you don't have to. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, by obeying him, and by committing yourself firmly to him. This is, don't miss this, this is the key to your entire life. Now, I think the reason we all make so many bad decisions isn't because we're bad people. I really believe that. Not because we're bad people. I think we make bad decisions because we don't fully trust that God really has more for us than what the world has to offer. To quote C.S. Lewis again, we truly are like ignorant kids in a slum making mud pies who just don't know about the holiday at sea. I think that's the reason that making small decisions is like good decisions is so difficult because small good decisions in the moment feel like a moment of sacrifice, but they always lead to exponential life. Ask anybody, like rehab, rehab feels like a month of death, but ask anybody who used to be an addict and no longer is what it leads to. Fasting feels like a day of sacrifice, but leads to exponentially more intimacy with God, peace in your life, and answered prayers. Saving money when you could spend it feels like a sacrifice, but momentary crucifixions always lead to exponential resurrections. And I, I, like this week, I'm like, maybe that's why Jesus said, you will find life 
when you die to yourself through small, daily, good decisions. Whatever you nurture will grow. Whatever you neglect will die. This year, if you nurtured your faith, if you nurtured your marriage, if you nurtured your body, if you nurtured your finances, you will reap by the end of it exponential life because of it. I want to get to 2030, look at my marriage and go, I did not think it was possible for marriage to be this good. That's what I want to, I want to say that. I'd like, I did not think it was possible for marriage to be this good. How did we get here? Because the answer to that question, it's not a mystery. It will make complete and perfect sense. It will simply be a million of these. Saying good morning to my wife before I check Instagram 3,650 times. Planning two dates a month even though we're married and I know she's not going anywhere. Saying no to hanging out with my friends so I can spend an evening with my wife 300 times. It will not be a mystery. It will make perfect sense. It will be because I did not underestimate the power of small, seemingly insignificant decisions to do what they do best over time compound. Now, at the same time, small decisions that feel like momentary bliss, small bad decisions that feel like momentary bliss or momentary life oftentimes lead to reaping hell on earth. And all, like all of us know that feeling. You might be in a season of that right now. I've been in so many of those, and it wasn't because of an external circumstance that happened to me or life threw me a curveball. It was bad decisions that I sowed that reaped for me this current circumstance that I'm in, a five-hour high, a week-long binge, staying up too late for five more episodes over and over and over again, clicking that video you shouldn't click again and again, sleeping with somebody just because you're lonely again, and like not working out, not working out, not working out, not working out, spending money that I don't have over and over because these quick, these quick decisions of fleeting bliss Hey, we'll say it this way. Bad seeds reap weeds. Bad seeds reap weeds. That's how you know it's God because it rhymes. <laughs> he wants you to thrive in this system. I, 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 like, I, I feel like sometimes I imagine the world of bad decisions kind of like this spooky uh, forbidden forest. And like with each decision is like one step. Every time I give in to like an instant gratification decision, I click that video, I spend that money I don't have, I let that thought have real estate in my mind and put roots down rather than taking it captive one step at a time, one decision at a time, one seed at a time, and before you know it, you're looking around like, how'd I get here? How did I get here? Listen to me, guys. It's not a mystery. It will make sense. When I got my first credit card, I remember getting my first monthly statement in the mail from my credit card. And I saw the total and I'm going, uh, excuse me? Like, how did I get here? This is a mystery. No, it's actually, they actually tell you, they list out every step I took. <laughs> Chipotle toll road, 
Chipotle toll road. Chipotle toll road. New jeans, new shoes, happy hour, happy hour. Chipotle toll road, right? I'm not a complicated man. This is not a complicated system. Small decisions will add up over time. And here's, here's the amazing thing about Jesus. The grace of Jesus covers all of that, okay? Your salvation is in his hands. I'm not talking heaven and hell one day. That, that's the product of one decision that you will make in this lifetime to put your faith in Jesus. From that point on, he's got that taken care of, okay? You are not powerful enough like, to out the grace of God. His love is stronger than even the worst of your decisions. Shame off of you, regardless of how far you've walked into this forest, God can come in here. Jesus can come right here, give you a new vision and a fresh start, give you a brand new who and an identity right in the middle of this forest. And at the very same time, he doesn't change this system for you. Just like he's not going to change the law of gravity for any of us. Like Jesus doesn't fly in on a search and rescue helicopter, see you in the forest, pick you up and get you out. Jesus does fly in on a search and rescue helicopter to find you, but he meets you in the middle of this forest because there's no shortcuts through the, the, the reaping what you sow system. And he's saying, okay, let's you and me take one step at a time and let's not pretend we can walk out of this forest in six days when you spent six years walking into it. But the good news about this direction is this same system works in the other direction if you, if you trust it. The most powerful force in the universe. And that is why experts are saying steady is sexy. They're all saying that. Every expert on anything. The sexiest thing in the world is steady consistency in the right direction. By the way, statistics show the more I say the word sexy, the more you guys pay attention. So since I have your attention, <laughs> the sexiest thing in the world is steady consistency in the right direction. You can write that down in your diary, the sexiest thing in the world. Or if that's too provocative for your journal, just write steady consistency in the right direction because those two things are in fact one in the same. Steady consistency in the right direction. If you want to live out God's plan for your life, see change in your life. If you want a fruitful future, if you want to thrive, then long-term steady consistency is the key. Listen to me. More so than short-term bursts of intensity. That's not the key to change. I'll explain it this way. I've done Whole30 or the Daniel Fast four times in January, and then I've binged from February to December. So my short-term burst of intensity, I want to change until I'm burned out. And then those are great if they lead to steady, consistent habits in the right direction over a long period of time because steady consistency in the right direction allows you to maximize the eighth wonder of the world. Craig Rochelle would say this, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. So what is your system in life? 
because your system will deliver the vision. Or maybe it won't, because maybe you have a vision of who you want to be, but your system is what determines where you end up, right? Andy Stanley would say, it's your direction, not your intention, that determines your destination. And you might be like, well, I'm not a systems person. I'm a free spirit. That's great. However, that is a system. And it is perfectly designed to give you the results that you are right now getting in your life. You will not rise to the level of your goals. You will fall to the level of your system every time. I don't want to crush anybody's spirits in here. You will not rise to the level of your dreams, Red Rocks Church. You will fall to the level of your decisions every time. The system is what delivers. Daniel in the Old Testament, the guy who was in the lion's den, that guy, he was an exile in Babylon, taken out of Jerusalem in Babylon. And the Bible says in Daniel, it says, Daniel distinguished himself. And what you'll read in that book is that Daniel became very successful in everything he did. And I love how it says he distinguished himself. Because it doesn't say Daniel was distinguishable. It doesn't say, oh, there was just so much special about him that that's how it happened. It says, no, he distinguished himself through long-term steady consistency in the right direction because he took his daily decisions in, like seriously. And Ben, you can come up. Infinite importance is what Daniel realized when he looked at this. So what was his system? His system, you can go read it in Daniel, was three times a day. Three times a day, regardless of how busy I am, regardless of how much opposition has come in my way, Regardless of how successful I get, I will stop three times a day, go into my room to the window that faces Jerusalem, and I will pray. And I'll spend time with God. I'll get to know God because when you know who God is, you will know who you are. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. Daniel knew who his God was personally. Therefore, Daniel knew who he was. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. This is who I am. Regardless of what the world or the culture around me says about me, this is who I am. Therefore, this is what I do. And his system just reinforced the entire thing. This was his keystone habit. Every, every book that you'll ever read about habits will talk about keystone habits. It's the one habit that you can do that leads to, it like leads to the dominoes of every other habit in your life finding its place behind that. So if you're in the military, regardless of where you are, they will tell you, you make your bed every single morning. The first thing you do is you make your bed. And it's not about the bed. You make your bed. And what does that do? That tells you, no, okay, I'm a disciplined person. It builds confidence. If I can do that, I can do this. If I can do that, then I can do this. And these start to add up, and the eighth wonder of the world takes over and does what it does best, a keystone habit. For me, it's exercise. If I can, if I can exercise in the morning, then the rest of my day just seems to find its place in line. And it's not even about the, the exercise. It's about me realizing, no, this is who I am. So therefore, this is what I do. And my mind tells itself, okay, I am disciplined. 
I am consistent because here's the thing, you guys, if I can just be honest with you, I'm actually, like, I'm preaching this to me because I am not a consistent or very disciplined person at all. I want to be. There's not a single characteristic that I want more or that I think is cooler than consistency. I feel like when I was a kid, I was really disciplined. I remember seventh grade, uh, Disney Plus, the movie, the movie Brink came out. You remember the movie Brink? It was a Disney Channel original movie that that week was coming out on Friday night at 7 p.m. So I woke up that Monday morning and I realized, okay, it's coming out Friday night. However, we had something at my school in middle school called AR, Accelerated Reader, where you had to read books and then you went and took tests on those books. And depending on how well you did on that test, you got a certain amount of points and you needed a certain amount of points in order to pass. And I realized that Monday morning, I don't have any AR points. However, Brink's coming out on Friday night. This was delayed gratification, right? And so what I did was that Monday after school, I came home, I went to the library, and then I came home, no TV. From the time I got home to the time I went to bed, I just read. That's all I did. I read. Tuesday, did the same thing after school. Like Wednesday, the same thing. Thursday, the same thing. Friday morning, went to class, took a bunch of AR tests, passed them, got my points, and it, it, like, it, it was good. And then that night, I, I celebrated, I rewarded myself by watching Brink, the movie that I was waiting for. And I look back on that, I'm like, I was so disciplined as a, as a little 13-year-old. And here's the thing, you guys, I actually don't think I could do that today. I'm serious. I don't know what's happened to me. I used to be so disciplined. I know that's like part of my, like that's who I really am. Just the past 10 years, I have not acted like it at all. I am, I am so in this immediate gratification generation, right? Where we want every, like, I want an Amazon Prime to me. I want this wall, the Empire State Building. I want an Amazon Prime to me tomorrow, two days at the latest, right? Like, you throw your laptop through the drywall if it takes more than five seconds to load a 4K video. Like, I, I don't have patience. I want it now. That is so me now. And so I, I, I like, think back to me in seventh grade, and I'm like, I don't think I could, I don't think I could do that today. But I sure want it back. Luckily, I know when you know who God is, you'll be reminded of who you really are. When you know who you really are, then you'll know what to do. And consistent and disciplined is who I am. And because I know it's who I am, this is what I do. You will get to 2030, January 12th. It'll be here before you know it. And it will not be a mystery who you are and where you got to. You will get to where you're going, one decision, one seed at a time. You will reap what you sow. Infinite importance right here. James Clear, he, he wrote a book about habits, and he, he made the point that it's a really good point. He said, hey, we don't really have goals problems. It's good to have goals, absolutely, but all of us have good goals. All of us want to be healthier. All of us want to be more successful. Like, I want to be closer to God. I want to know him more. I want more joy. I want more peace in my life. We all have similar goals. Why is it then that some people succeed while a lot don't. And I would argue it's because we don't understand that it begins with who we are. 
you know who God is, then you know who you are. And because you know who you are, you know what to do. You make your decisions, and then to return the favor, your decisions make you. And then you make your decisions, and in return, your decisions make you. And God tells you this is who you are, therefore this is what you do. So if you're going to hijack the system, hijack it at your identity. God is saying, let me intervene here. This is who you really are. Know me, and you will know who you are. And when you know who you are, you will know what to do. And so for you, for this year, not just this week, this year, what is one habit? Last week we said, who who are you? This week is, okay, now that we've got that covered, what do you do? What's just one habit? And I would argue it's better if it's not big. Because once again, like making your bed, it's not really about that thing. It's about what it leads to. And you, you doing this one little habit every day will eventually tell you, this is who I am. I'm a disciplined person. Like I would say, if, you, if your who is by the end of this year, I want to be closer to God. I want to be a, a stronger man of God or woman of God. That's a great who goal. So what's your one do to get you there? And I was going to say, hey, just read the whole Bible this year. It's 12 minutes a day, which is not much if you think about it. And on the Redbox Church app, we outline it for you every day if you want to do that. But I would also say, hey, maybe just download the YouVersion Bible app and read one verse a day. I want, I, wanna, I want you to make sure you can do this. For me, I gotta start small. One verse a day, Bible before breakfast. One verse a day, and before you know it, it's six months in and you're feeling crazy and you're up to two. And all day long, because you read it that morning, you've got the word of God on your mind. That's the first thing, thing you think of in any and every situation that you come across. This is the one thing that I do. This is my keystone habit. Make it simple. If I can hone in on this, everything else will fall in line. Know who God is, and you will know who you are. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. This is the system that God has wired into the universe in all of us. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, you still are subject to the system. You will reap what you sow. You will get to where you are going. This is true for every human being ever. And you will be formed not by the one hour a week you spend in church, but by the seeds you sow and the decisions you make in your 167. Amen.